When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into a new edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined once again by Georgia State writer for the site, Zeke Palermo. Uh, Zeke, after a very eventful week two uh we had a a much less eventful week three although we had a couple of of really close almost upsets um but the sunbelt came a little bit back down to earth wouldn't you say yeah it was returned to what you know you should expect week to week uh there are a couple games that we'll get to that were almost big brand name upsets for the sunbelt but um for the most part i think it went mostly according to plan. Yeah. Um, so some of these some of these big blowouts, uh, there's not going to be a whole lot to discuss as it has been the last couple of weeks, but we can go ahead and jump into this. So uh, starting on Saturday, last Saturday, uh, Alabama absolutely walloped UL Monroe, uh, which I think everyone who watches even a little bit of football saw coming. Uh Alabama wins 63 to seven. Um, I don't know if there's something up with Alabama's offense or what it is, but Bryce young has not looked as good this season as he, as he did last year when he won the Heisman. Um, He played fairly okay, but I mean, he threw two picks against UL Monroe in this one. Um, not a lot went right for the Warhawks. Uh, Zeke, do you have anything on this game? This is going to be one of those quick ones. No, uh, you hit it. Uh, I've also been not unimpressed by Bryce Young this year, but I feel like he was supposed to be the far and away Heisman favorite, um, and he's not really playing that. He's playing well uh, through three games, but he hasn't been playing as the best quarterback in the country. So uh, something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, it's Monroe was going to get stomped. They got stomped by, what is that, 56 points. Not mm-hmm. much to talk about. Yeah, you on a on a non UL Monroe note. Uh, do you do you feel like it's a weird year in that we're we're going into week four this Saturday, or technically week four has already started since we're recording on Thursday night? But do you feel like there are no real Heisman front runners at this point? I mean, it like I mean, you it said, was, going into the year, it was going to be either Stroud or young right and neither of them have really wowed um at this point in the year like i think statistically you've got to give it to stetson bennett of georgia uh but he's by no means the best player in the country um so i i don't know if this is how it goes on a year to year i can't really recall to week four of last year but it is bizarre that we've had no one stand out as hey this is going to be our guy yeah i mean as far as 
like Heisman candidates go. I, I mean, I thought at least if if the quarterbacks did, took a step back uh, like they did or have done so far this year, like you mentioned, Stroud and Young, I thought maybe Bijan Robinson out of Texas may have been a, a dark horse, but mm-hmm. Texas has, I mean, they played close against Alabama, um, but they they really weren't all that, imp- that impressive last week. They played UTSA. Um, they didn't look great against them. You know, UT- UTSA was in that game for at least the first half. So, I don't know, man. Like you said, Georgia's the most dominant team, but Bennett's one of those weird guys. Like you know, his co- his football career is going to be over the minute he leaves Georgia. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I guess give him the Heisman, but he's on the best team. But like you said, he's not even the most talented quarterback like in the country. So it'd be weird to just being like, I guess we just default give it to the quarterback of the number one team, even though he may not exactly deserve it i don't know yeah I feel um, like the heisman's done a good job and i know we're kind of straying but historically i feel like the heisman's done a good job of not doing that pro sports of give it to the best player on the best team yeah um but that i mean at this point in the season that's kind of looking like what you may have to do yeah i mean outside of georgia everybody else looks pretty meh mm-hmm. i mean from a national perspective like georgia looks like they just reloaded and I mean, Alabama looked like the only team that could give them a game, really. And Alabama has not looked all that sharp. I mean, yep. like I said, they they played a one point, they got a one point win over Texas with a backup quarterback after Quinn Ewers got hurt. So I don't I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, Alabama rolls over uh, UL Monroe. No surprise there. Uh, another another non surprise outcome was Baylor. Uh, at least. Through the first half, Texas State gave them a little bit of a, a run. It was twenty-one to seven Baylor at half. I thought I didn't think Texas State was going to get make a run at winning this game, but I was like, "Hey, they're they're kind of hanging in there." And then the game just absolutely got away from them in the second half. Uh, Baylor had five hundred and one yards of total offense. Um, yeah, Richard Reese for the Bears, one fifty-six and three scores on the ground. Baylor's just they're just too much for the for the Bobcats to handle especially on the ground yeah Baylor looked really good um I was disappointed obviously Texas State wasn't going to score 21 28 points this game but I was really disappointed by uh Lane Hatcher he only completed 24 of his 36 passes and more than half of his completions were to one guy Ashton Hawkins so uh add in a pretty poor running performance uh from Calvin Hill from Jamal Jeter, uh, they put a new guy out there, Josh Berry, who I don't think we've seen that much this season. Um, so I feel like we had a lot of positives to say about Texas State's offense after the FIU game, but now I, I kind of want to backtrack any positive, I any good we talked about. Well, I think that was more, I think that was just more FIU being a bad football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what... I remember last week when we published our episode and FIU fan chimed in and was like joking around with us and was like, yeah, we're an absolute disaster. So Mm -hmm. like you said, maybe take a little bit. I mean, that that takes a little bit away from the Texas State win, although I I never really was a believer in Texas State to start with. I mean, I picked them to finish last in the West. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think 
Spavadol should probably just go ahead and start getting a uh, a box ready with all yep. of his things from his office because um I think he's out after after this year if if he even makes it to the end of the season at this point. I don't know. But anyway, Baylor rolls uh over Texas State, another another big power five loss, uh 42 to 7. Uh going through, we got this next game here, Coastal Carolina really struggled with Buffalo. Um, it took three fourth quarter touchdowns uh, for the the chance to eventually pull away with the win. Grayson McCall was sharp, but again, I I, I don't know what is up with their offense this year. Um, they they run the ball okay. Like Coastal Carolina is not blowing anybody off the off the ball like running the ball, but I feel like it, they 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 just have to turn over the keys to McCall. Like they just have to get make it the Grayson McCall show because he's the best shot they've got at making mm-hmm. a run at the Sun Belt. I think. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned they they didn't put this game away until about three minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, and even then it was still questionable. I think this was a game that if we were going to if we were going to look at Coastal's remainder of the season as that's the coastal we've seen where they were, you know, flirting with the top 25. This should have been a much more comfortable win. Um, I, what concerns me is those fumbles. I think fumbles are a lot more uh, emblematic of a team's inability to hold the ball than uh, interceptions. And that's just my football two cents. I think uh, interceptions can be a little more finicky than fumbles tend to be. The fact they, they lost four fumbles and that really scares me. Um Obviously, right now, uh, you and I, I'm sure, are both keeping an eye on Georgia State Coastal. Uh, it looks like uh, Coastal is going to handle Georgia State, but I was disappointed by this uh, from Coastal. Yeah, it, it's been a it's been a weird start to the season for them. Um, you know, like we talked about last week, they they barely are able to kind of pull away from Gardner Webb, an FCS school, right at the end, and then you've got Buffalo in this matchup who had just lost to another FCS school and holding mm-hmm. the Holy Cross the week before. Um, yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's just a weird season so far for coastal. Maybe, maybe the, the game against Georgia state got them right. And they're like mentally ready to play Sunbelt ball now. Um, yeah. but these early season tilts with these, you know, what we thought were lesser teams are not, have not been encouraging for like mm-hmm. Coastal's overall shot at the conference. But like I said, maybe they get into conference play and they, they kind of shake off the cobwebs. But um, CJ Beasley looked good on the ground for, for Coastal when they were actually able to hold on to the football. Uh, it, he had nine carries for 89 yards. He almost averaged 10 yards a carry. And then he had 74 yards receiving on three catches and a touchdown. So Beasley, outside of McCall, was, was easily there. MVP, I'd say, in this game. Um, yeah. And then your boy Pinkney, uh, the Georgia State transfer, five catches, 103. But yeah, like you said, the the fumbles, man, are just, that's ugly. Like, mm-hmm. not, not being able to hold on to the football in, in a game where you're playing a lesser opponent is concerning. But like I said, maybe they, maybe they end up turning it around. I we'll have to see how that goes. But um, yeah, so Coastal comes away with a 12-point victory. They move to 3-0. and and are in the middle of playing Georgia State as we record this. Um, the next game on the slate, I thought South Alabama was going to pull it out, man. They played yeah. UCLA in LA. It came down to 
a field goal by the Bruins with no time remaining to to for the uh, Bruins to put away South Alabama. Um, yeah, I mean, great performance by them overall. Like I said, tough loss to to take it, you know, basically out of their hands right at the end. But you, you kind of have to commend the way the the Jaguars played in this one. Yeah, they played a they played a hell of a game. Um, I mean, they held the lead up until the final play of the game. UCLA walked it off. Um, but I, I thought Carter Bradley was really, uh, was really, really impressive. 26 for 36. He did throw a pick, but, um, I thought, I mean, this could, this is another one of those games that UCLA is not what they have been historically. Um, they're probably one of the worst teams in a pretty meh Pac-12. Um, but I was really impressed that they were able to hang around for as long as they did. They played four quarters of winning football um, just got to really uh, finish those games. You know, South Alabama had a, uh, an ugly fake field goal that didn't go their way. Um, So I think there were a few decisions that maybe if you're playing a lesser brand name team, you're not going to make such as that field goal that went really awry, the fake field goal that went really awry. Um, So I really liked what we saw out of South Alabama. Yeah, I was going to joke around with you. I was going to break in and joke around with you when you said UCLA hasn't been what they've been historically. And I was like, going to be like, what was that? Yeah. They're, they're a basketball school. They like, are a basketball school. They're but, just waiting for they're just waiting for next month to roll, to roll around. So the actual sport for them starts. Yeah. Um, UCLA as a football team has kind of been a. I don't want to say a joke, but they're they've been kind of what North Carolina has been. They're 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 West Coast North Carolina as far as football goes. They have a couple of good seasons sprinkled in around some really really ugly ones. Um, I was I was very impressed by South Alabama being able to be in this game considering how well UCLA's quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson played. I mean mm-hmm. the guy did sixty six percent of his passes and had three touchdowns and no picks. I mean to give up that through the air and also still be in the game all the way up until the very end. Like I said, that, that takes a lot of like mental, I don't want to say strength, I guess fortitude would be the word I guess I use to just be able to be like, yeah, this guy's torching us, but whatever, like, let's just, let's just keep at it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, even though it'll come, it'll come on as a, uh, a loss on the scoreboard, I think as much of a moral victory as you can ask for, for South Alabama in that one. Um, yeah. Slightly disappointing, um, but but again, South Alabama with a good effort against UCLA, uh, losing 32-31. Um, getting to the next game, uh, Old Dominion, another, another game that had a Power 5 opponent having to kick a walk-off field goal against the Sun Belt School. Mm-hmm. Virginia rallied in the final minute to beat Old Dominion 16-14. to and like I said, last second field goal. Um, this is what I was talking about. Virginia's offense cannot put the ball in the end zone. I don't know what the problem is. Like I said, they have Clemson's old offensive coordinator as their head coach. They had mm-hmm. 500 yards of offense in this game, 513, and only scored 16 points, which is absurd to me. Yeah, I... Uh... I was really impressed. I hate to keep talking about quarterbacks, but I feel like this was a really good week for quarterbacks. Uh, Old Dominion's Hayden Wolf played a hell of a game. 
Uh, he passed for 230 yards and uh, completed 23 of his 37 attempts. But, um, I mean, Old Dominion at one and two, you're kind of like, dang, that sucks. They beat Virginia Tech, and they nearly beat Virginia. So uh, I think they might be, after that performance against Virginia, you mentioned they're in a bit, they weren't really able to touch the end zone. So you can't rely on holding opponents to 16. But I thought Old Dominion put on a performance that might be worth the third or fourth uh, position in the East. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how that pans out when when conference play starts for them. Their offense, like you said, has not been able to to score really, mm-hmm. um, which is which is concerning. I mean, their one uh, Wolf has played fairly well, but their only other real bright spot on offense has been Ali Jennings the third, who went what uh, he went nuclear last week when they played East Carolina. And yeah. had 200 yards and three scores. Played well in this one too. 97 yards receiving and a touchdown. They they have to have more than one threat on that offense to keep teams honest. Because if Wolf is just keying in on Jennings almost every time they throw the ball, I mean, it, it's just not enough to get it done in this in the Sun Belt or against anybody really. But yeah, this this game was almost like a, a Spider Man pointing meme. Because these two teams can't score, but they can put up a ton of yards, but they just can't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Old Dominion. Also, I don't know if you saw this. Someone on Twitter when they thought Old Dominion was going to win this game uh, late before Virginia. Virginia, I think, got a key pass interference call that set up that field goal at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, people thought were tweeting out that Old Dominion was going to be the kings of Virginia if they won this game. And I tweeted out, I said, James Madison wants to know your location because James Madison's like, we're in Virginia. We play Old Dominion this year. You can't crown them yet. You know what I mean? I don't know. After beating Virginia Tech, I mean, I, I, it's really going to come down to that JMU Old Dominion game. But No, uh, that's what I mean. But But people were just flat forgot that James Madison was a team. Is more what I'm saying. Like uh, they were, they were like, well, if they beat Virginia, Virginia Tech, they're the, they're the kings of the state. And I'm like, but they haven't played the other team that's on their schedule that's in their conference yet. So now, where, where in Virginia? They're in Harrisonburg, right? JMU is. I I believe so. Yeah. And then where's Old Dominion located? That I do not know. Um, they are. That's a, actually a good question. They are in Norfolk. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, so I don't know. Any, the, I don't know anything about Virginia's geography, to be yeah. totally honest. So I have no. I I know like Virginia Beach and Norfolk are the two towns that I know of yep. in the state. So, but but yeah. Anyway, Virginia, uh, much like UCLA, escapes by the skin of their teeth with a last second field goal. Um, good win for. I hate, not a good win, but a good loss, I guess, as good as a loss can be for Old Dominion in that one. They dropped to one and two. Um, the next game, which college game day was in Boone, uh, was crazy at the very end. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but App State came, came away with a Hail Mary throw that was deflected and caught uh, by Christian Horn to put the game away late um i actually have a lot to talk about with this game 
as far as Troy taking the safety with 20 seconds to go and giving App the ball back, which I thought was moronic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't it, that that it, that screams first time head coach in his you know third ever game making a call like that, thinking yeah. that their defense could not possibly give up a touchdown, which I thought was stupid. Um, the fact that you don't just try to run the ball there with 20 seconds to go, like even if you took a knee or like quarterback sneaks or, you know, there's so many things you can do in that situation rather than just take a safety and Mm -hmm. go, go up two points. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously like an insane win for app, the, the, the highlight of horn catching the pass went viral. Um, yeah, another another just crazy game for App and what has been basically a season of crazy games. Yeah, um, you mentioned the safety that happened with, what, 20 seconds left in the game, and then they got the Hail Mary to Horn. Um, yep. At 2-1, and one, I'm not impressed with App's ability to close games, right? They had this... Uh, it took them forever to put away... Uh, or, I'm sorry, UNC was able to sneak up on them at the end of that game, it took them full four quarters to beat Texas A&M. Uh, and I mean, it took them quite literally every second of the game to beat Troy. Um, and that really concerns me about when it comes down to these later stretches of the season, is App going to be able to close games that are more crucial to their season? Um, I, I agree with you on the take about... Uh, Taking that safety, uh, that was absolutely absolutely baffling, uh, and I, I'm not seeing enough talk about that on Twitter or elsewhere. I feel like that's something that should be really discussed about in terms of like how is Troy's coaching staff making that decision, handling that decision? Why are they letting that happen? Yeah, I I think because it wasn't a more high profile team making a call like that. Like if that happens in, I'm trying to think of like I think Arkansas plays Texas A and M this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like if that happened in that game, whichever coach made that call would just get absolutely destroyed for a straight week. Like if Jimbo Fisher decided to do that and it came back to bite him, it, they would never let him live it down. Uh, on ESPN or any other station that discusses sports. But because, like I said, it, a lot of people just caught the final highlight like on Twitter that mm-hmm. weren't watching this game. Because even though I think this game was on ESPNU, even though College Game Day was at yeah, I've got a bone to pick with that one. It was ESPN Plus, but you're going to put College Game Day there. I, I don't know if that's a right. – like I get App State's a great place to host College Game Day. Uh, beautiful, beautiful city, beautiful town Boone is and great fan base. And this is, uh, you know, their first divisional game. But I, why are you not nationally broadcasting this game if you're going to put college game day? I, I get you want to bring people into your ESPN Plus. I'm buying ESPN Plus so I can watch these sorts of games. Right. I concede that. But that is an affront to group of five football. And oh, I, I, agree. I it was absolutely baffling that they would do that. I, it doesn't nothing that ESPN does surprises me to be totally mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah, I, you would think you would want to showcase, especially like the the move from game day to watch this game at three thirty on a station that you have to pay five ninety nine a month for is moronic 
again to me. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN loves to do this thing where like if App beats Texas A&M or if Marshall beats you know, uh, Notre Dame or one of those things, they love to just parade them around and then be like, okay, now back in your box. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to put any of these games on a station where someone with a cable subscription can watch it. We're going to stick it on the streaming service that like only diehards of the Sunbelt have, or they're going to, like you said, dangle it in front of people and be like, you want to see these two teams play? You got to fork over $5 a month or whatever it is now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't love that decision either, but like I said, uh, I, I was, I was a little surprised by how close this game was as well. Um, Mm -hmm. that that you did, because I, I don't know if you saw this little anecdote that was going around on Twitter, but like apparently app States, coaching staff had put up a bunch of um, mouse traps around the facility and were telling the players not to take the cheese was their exact quote. Um, I guess that meant like, don't fall into your own hype after beating Texas A&M. But even though they won it on the final play, it kind of seems like they did because I didn't think they were going to win this game until I saw Troy take a safety. And then I was like, Oh, this game's over. That was a dumb call. That's the a- second the second you do that, you're like tempting the football gods and being like, come punish us, please. Yeah, I first of all, that's a quite a literal way to hammer home that message. Um, if you're supposed to be like a really good football team, you feel like those guys would wouldn't have to be reminded, especially quite physically with mousetraps. I had not heard this story. And as you tell it to me, it's quite puzzling. Um, <laughs> But I, I'm telling you to it as as it was written on Twitter. Um, I just put LOL because I'm like, it, this isn't like this is like high school stuff. Yeah, yeah. I and as soon as you start telling guys that having never been in a college football locker room, I feel as soon as you start saying those sorts of things, uh, yeah, to say you're like you said, you're almost tempting the football gods, right? Like. You shouldn't have to be telling your guys this. No, I what have I was to be with, telling them that AM was a fluke and that you need to go out and play a hell of a game. No, what I was saying with the fo- tempting the football gods was Troy taking that safety with 20 mm. seconds to go. Um, that, that was, that was basically say, just begging, begging for something heartbreaking to happen at the very end. Even though Troy, like I said, uh, did everything you know they could to possibly lose this game, good win for App, uh, 32-28. Uh, they capitalize on college game day coming to Boone. Uh, in the next game, um, Georgia Southern took a a beating against mm-hmm. UAB. Uh, this game was not even as close as the final score indicates. Um, Georgia Southern was in this game like maybe ten minutes for the out of the entire game while it was taking place. Uh, Dwayne McBride just absolutely shredded them on the ground. Um, 223 yards rushing on eight yards of carry, four scores on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, as as good as, and they weren't in this game. I'm not going to say that, but as good as Georgia Southern's offense has been to start the season, their defense has been just that bad. Um, so I don't think that's something that's going to get fixed before the end of the season. So I mean, I tweeted this out. Um, 
they they just seem like they're like Arkansas State now. Like they throw the ball a ton, they play zero defense, and just hope that they score thirty five plus every game because that seems like the only recipe they have to win games from here on out. Yeah, and uh, obviously I'm going to throw this to you because you watched this game more intently than I did, but those three picks that Kyle Van Treese threw, which, first of all, matches his total through two games, so he yep. doubled the season, season total in one game with interceptions. If he doesn't throw those three picks, are you still winning that game, or are you still losing, or were those three pivotal interceptions? What happened there? Uh, two of them were absolutely back-breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the last one he threw was literally put the nail in the coffin. Um, when when Georgia Southern was trying to make a, a play late, um, they were only down – what was it? They were only down seven after the Jalen White touchdown run. Um, they force uh, you know UAB to give the ball back. And then and then he just throws that pick and it it just I mean, it just sucked all the air out of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I talked about this before. He has this like mindset that he talked about the the uh, the announcers for the uh, Nebraska game brought up, which is like basically that old like Bruce Arians mindset of like no risk it, no biscuit. Like, yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, also, sometimes you play like. Jameis Winston when you do that (laughs) so so I mean you know it it came back to bite him obviously uh Jalen White was the only person on offense to me who even showed up which is tough uh because again this has now become a passing offense where you throw the ball 50 plus times every game but yeah White had 116 yards uh averaged eight yards a carry and two touchdowns and had a had a long touchdown run that actually pulled the game within seven with nine minutes to go. But like I said, Van Trees, man, it, it's like, oh, it, I'm sure other teams are going to see this on tape, but it's it's a lot of one read and throw to that guy with him. Like, he doesn't go through progressions. It's like there is a one schemed receiver to, for the ball to go to on any given play, and if that guy's not open, Van Trees is just going to throw it to him regardless, and you see yeah. kind of what the result of that is. Interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, UAB didn't even have to really throw the ball to win this game. Um, early on, UAB was struggling to score because they insisted on having Dylan Hopkins throw the ball. And I tweeted out at one point, I said, if I'm UAB, I just don't throw the ball the rest of this game. I mean, they're moving the ball at will on the ground. And every time they throw the ball, something bad happens. So yeah. um, they eventually kind of went with my advice. They threw the ball just 19 times. Um, but yeah, it was the Dwayne McBride show. Uh, UAB's offensive line is just too physical for Georgia Southern's front seven to put up with. Uh, defensively, the, this secondary for the the Blazers was easily the most talented one that Georgia Southern has seen through three games. I mean, yeah. that's that's not a high bar to clear, but it it was true. Um, but like I I, I said this too, it, the only saving grace in this game is that no. There aren't many teams, if any, in the Sun Belt that are just lined up, that just line up and run the ball like forty-three times in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these Sun Belt teams want to throw the ball, want to get cute, want to do thing, other things. You know, trying to mix it up. UAB was like, nah, man, 
we're just going to get under center. We're just going to run stretch zone and, and you can't stop it. So we're just going to keep doing it. And that's, that's kind of how it ended up coming out. Um, but yeah, UAB wins by two touchdowns. This one wasn't even as close as the, as the final score indicates UAB just absolutely, uh, manhandled Georgia Southern in this one. Um, let's get to the next game. You talk about taking the cheese. If you're, if you're going to go with apps, little, uh, metaphor yeah. uh marshall ends up coming away losing to the bowling green falcons 34 31 one week after beating notre dame in south bend um you know all things considered your boy henry columby played fairly well uh yes, and kaylin Layborn once again carrying the the load with rasheen ali not playing yet mm-hmm. um they just Marshall just couldn't stop the passing game of Bowling Green. It seems. Yeah, they uh, Bowling Green's quarterback Mac McDonald passed for two hundred eighty-two yards and four touchdowns. Which, uh, as you mentioned, you start playing those teams like Southern. You start playing those teams like Arkansas State. That's going to eat you alive. Uh, the game did go to overtime. Uh, Marshall took a field goal. Anytime you take a field goal in overtime, you're kind of, you know. It, you just got to hope your defense holds strong. Did not. Bowling Green got the touchdown. Um, Marshall took that field goal. Uh, it was a 38-yarder, and I'm failing to find the down and distance uh, on when they took the field goal. Okay. I'm curious, Brian. At how close in college football overtime do you want to be to the end zone if you're going to go for it on fourth? Uh, it depends on the situation. Um, yeah. like you said, in a situation like this, you know, um, Matt McDonald had already thrown three touchdowns to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's anything less than like fourth and seven to go. Yeah. I think I'm just going for it. Like you're running the ball at will. Column B was, was efficient through for three thirty-eight and two touchdowns. Um. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if it's if it's an obvious like we have to kick it here, sure. Like maybe you just take the field goal and pray. But college defenses typically aren't good enough to keep a team out of the end zone from what is it thirty yards away? What do they start from the twenty five or the thirty? Uh, um, something like that. Yeah. And so I, in. yeah. So I mean. And especially after McDonald had already thrown three touchdowns to that point. Um, yeah, it was a rough game for Marshall overall. I mean, they turned the ball over three times. They forced no turnovers. I hate to say this because last week was obviously great for the Sun Belt. I think that both the app and um, Marshall wins were just right place, right time. Um, yeah, I mean, they were both fluky. Uh, I don't think anyone would. I don't think either you nor I were of the opinion that either of those teams were better than the teams they beat. I don't think either of us believe App is better than Texas A&M. I don't think either of us believe Marshall is a better team than Notre Dame. Um, it was most definitely right place, right time. Well, uh, the other reason I say that is like, okay, App played Texas A&M. Well, Texas A&M with... Um, was it King? What's the name of that guy? The quarterback for them? Desmond King? No, it was no, it was something else. Hayden King or something like that. Um, 
But anyway, he he just could. They couldn't move the football with mm-hmm. with, with Texas A&M with that quarterback they had. They they still can't move the football really. Um, so so you had that. You had a, a struggling offense with an injured quarterback uh, with Notre Dame. So they can't move the football either. So all Marshall and and App had to do was just score just enough. And like I said, the, these these quarterbacks for these you know previously ranked teams now not ranked, but they just couldn't do anything when they got mm-hmm. it. So I mean, again, kudos to them. But I think we're more seeing it being a disappointing season, probably for both A and M and Notre Dame, probably closer to that than being like, wow, these Sunbelt schools took down these Titans. You know, it, it's more like this is why preseason rankings suck is because they, they just rank people based on like recruiting. And then you co- go and see on Saturdays, like doesn't show up on the field. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Bowling Green comes away with the win over Marshall. Marshall takes its first loss of the season. Let's get into this next one. This should be a quick one. Southern Miss absolutely rolls Northwestern State, uh, who who their mascot is the Demons. Interesting. Uh, Southern Miss in in perfect Southern Miss fashion had four different players throw a pass yeah. um, because it's not just enough to settle on one guy. You have to have three or four guys throw a pass, you know, just for good measure. Um, Frank Gore Jr. looked pretty good, but. Yeah, this was, I mean, this was a cakewalk and, you know, nice little easy win for Southern Miss. Yeah, uh, I'm curious what they do next week at the quarterback um, because we saw Zach Wilkie got the start after finishing out last week's game, but he was only 9 for 18, whereas Tykees, who was initially the starter at Southern Miss, he was 6 for 9 with 192 passing yards, so... I'm curious if they go back to keys or if they let Wilkie go for another week. Um, that's going to be a big story to keep an eye on. I, we're recording this on Thursday. So if we don't hear by Friday, who's going to start, we're going to be uh, something to watch on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, their, their methodology to picking a quarterback just seems to be like flip a coin. Mm-hmm. Or roll, or it actually, you know what? More applicable, like roll a dice because there's more than two sides, so you can yeah. you can pick one of four quarterbacks on any given in given uh, play. Um, but yeah, Southern Miss rolls easy win there. Uh, let's get into this next game: uh, Memphis and Arkansas State. This was another tight game where Memphis had to score two touchdowns, you know, to kind of put it away in the final like two minutes or so. Um, Arkansas State had a 32-31 lead with four minutes left in this game. Uh, And then, like I said, you know, Memphis kind of scored late to put it away. But um, another good effort, you know, from a a Sunbelt school playing, you know, what is perceived to be a superior uh, G5 team. What did you kind of take away from this game? I was impressed by Arkansas State's rushing game. Uh, they went, as a team, 32 carries for 95 yards, which isn't astounding. Uh, that's just under three yards per carry. Uh, but Brian Sneed rushed for 66 yards. Johnny Lang rushed for 41. Um, so I was impressed that Arkansas State was ab- able to have some semblance of a run game. Uh, the flip side of that, Memphis rushed for almost 200 yards against them. 
So pray for Arkansas State when their week against Southern Miss comes up. Um, but uh, uh, like you said, I mean, Memphis is perceived to be a better G5 school, so it's good that a solid loss, again, no such thing as a good loss, but a solid loss for Arkansas State here. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, one thing that I found was funny was uh, Arkansas State's leading receiver in this game is named Seydou Traore, I think is yep. how it's pronounced. It's a crazy name, but he is uh, 6'4", 223. He's huge. And he's only a sophomore at receiver, but he's from London, England, which, oh, I, thought was, which I thought was interesting. Um, I, I wonder how he found the sport of football because he'd be a monster at goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, Seth Hennigan shredded Arkansas State through the air. Arkansas State once again just looks like they don't they don't know what to do on defense, and I think that's once again, I mean, unsurprisingly, kind of going to be an Achilles heel uh, for them this year because as good as their offense is, uh, same thing with Georgia Southern, their defense is just that that much worse or that bad. Um, but yeah, Memphis comes away with a win, forty four thirty two. Arkansas State drops to one and two this season. Um, let's get into the game that you watched the closest. Charlotte ends up upsetting Georgia State. Uh, again, I know we are acknowledging the fact that Georgia State's playing uh, Coastal Carolina in the midst of us uh, recording this, but Georgia State falls to 0-3, and after the, after tonight's recording, looks like they're going to start the season 0-4 again for the second year in a row. Zeke, what what went wrong in this one? I thought, you know, we we both thought like Georgia State was going to roll easy. There were 19 and a half point favorites. What 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 went wrong? Uh well, I mean, this just comes down to um inability to close out games. First, I'd like to interject. Um I wanted to fact check. They did not start 0-4 last year because Georgia State did beat Charlotte. They started 0-2. Oh. They were 1-4 after five weeks, though. So that's right. Pretty much as bad as Owen. <laughs> um, but it was it was an inability to close out that game. Uh, there was a period where, I mean, it was back and forth, but you went up with a minute 30. You went up by uh, six points because of a, a missed uh, extra point by Michael Hayes in the second quarter. Um, on that last drive, uh, Chris Reynolds of Charlotte just passed the ball like he, you know, like, it, it looked like Georgia State had never defended a pass before. Granted, they were they were down two of their best defensive backs, Quay White and Ant Lane, uh, were both out for that drive with injury, which was a a huge hit. Lane was a first team All Sun Belt last season, and uh, Quay White, I believe, holds the record for career interceptions at Georgia State. So, uh, not slouches they were missing, but I mean, now you look at South Carolina, North Carolina, and Charlotte. Georgia State is feeling a lot like they've got Pittsburgh Steelers-itis of just playing to whoever their competition is and doing yeah. no better, no worse, um, which sucks. But uh, that that was my biggest takeaway is that this team is not playing to the best of their ability week in, week out. I'd say it's less Pittsburgh Steelers-itis. I think it seems more like Dallas Cowboy syndrome to me. <laughs> um, but the... So let me ask you this: Should yeah. if if you were a betting man, you know, let's say you had some money that was burning a hole in your pocket and just needed to throw it on a game, 
Sure. Are you just taking Georgia State overs for the rest of the year? Because, boy, when Georgia Southern plays Georgia State, I don't think they could set a line high enough for me to take it. Like, if if they came out and said the over-under for that game was 65, I'd be, like, all over it. Uh, it's, no, that's a good take. Um, mind you, though, it took the Panthers a little bit to get here. They dropped 41 this week, but last week it was only 28, which isn't an obscenely high number. Uh, and only 14 against South Carolina. So the defense is going to allow 28, 35 points, no matter who they play. Yeah. Um, it's just what offense shows up. And I, I remember when we did our East Conference preview, that was something we talked about, which Georgia State is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got money burning in your pocket, don't bet on Georgia State because you have no freaking clue who's going to show up on that field. <laughs> you don't know if Darren Granger is going to – you know, look like Tom Brady or if he's going to look like Nathan Peterman. You don't know if the rushing game is going to – all three of those backs are going to, you know, pound the ground like Sean Elliott loves or if they're just going to be stuffed for a yard and a half per carry. Um, quite an enigma uh, to – I mean, is the only word I can really use to aptly describe how ambiguous and how nebulous that team is right now. Well, the, this is what I was talking about in the preseason about – their their lack of consistency in pretty much all phases of the game mm-hmm. gave me pause when it came to like trying to slot them in somewhere in the east um because like you said you have no idea what you're getting from a quarter from the quarterback on on any given week the defense kind of idles between being like well, we, you know, we're in a game with North Carolina for a bit who who put up 63 on app but we, you know, we were sort of in that game for a bit. And then you come back the next week and you lose to Charlotte in a one point loss where you give up 42 and five passing touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the reasoning behind this game in a in a in a nutshell is the reason I, I felt the way I did in the preseason about them. But, uh, you know, like a, Jamari Thrash played well for Georgia State, 213 yards and a score. Uh, Tucker Gregg had a hundred yards rushing and two touchdowns. Darren mm-hmm. Ranger played fairly well, which is like you said, you just have no idea what you're getting from him from any, from a week to week basis, but a, a, a rough loss in what we thought was kind of going to be a layup for Georgia state going into this one. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So as of right now, they're still sitting at zero and three. They're in the middle of a game with, with coastal, but we'll see how the rest of their season sort of plays out and let's get down to, what I thought was maybe the most not upsetting, but just like, like a, what is going on moment. Louisiana goes into Texas and loses by 12 points to rice. Louisiana's offense has not looked good at any point this season. Um, And it finally came back to bite them because they forced rice quarterback, TJ McMahon to throw three picks and they lost by two scores. Yeah, uh, that's just coming down to inability to move the football, inability to turn any yards into points. Uh, although Louisiana did have 175 yards of total offense, so to score 21 points off of that is pretty impressive. Uh, mind you, their first touch, touchdown was a pitch, uh, pick six. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was going to be 
a Louis. I thought you could have reversed these scores, and that probably would have been my prediction for this game. Um, mm-hmm. And it feels like Louisiana is just lost, especially offensively, as you mentioned, without Billy Napier. Um, yep. And it does not give me much confidence in this team moving forward uh, because obviously you're losing to Rice, who is supposed to be one of the middle of the pack, if not lower half Conference USA teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, CUSA, you'd make the argument, probably the most comparable conference. So between this game and then that uh, Southeast Louisiana game that they only won by, uh, you know, 14, 18 points or so, I'm starting to get real worried about what's going on in Louisiana. Yeah, um, that this this game gives me a lot of pause as far as where I where I kind of think the West is going to end up this year. I I now think I think it's South Alabama's uh, division to lose mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, no one out, you know. Troy's had a couple moments here and there, like they should have beat at, but they didn't. So I, can't, I I don't feel comfortable slating them in at number one, and South Alabama is the only team that has kind of held their own week in and week out so far through three weeks. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. I don't know if it's DeSormo doesn't have the the guys after Napier left and that whole team kind of exited stage right with him mm-hmm. um, just from graduations and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I know my guy Matt Miguez is hurting uh, now because this is absolutely – going to be a brutal season if you can't score points in the Sun Belt you're you're going to have a bad time of it um because <laughs> they can play a little bit of defense but like you said if you're putting up 175 yards of total offense and you can't settle on a quarterback and you can't run the football yikes mm-hmm. um, but yeah so Louisiana drops to two and one they take their first loss of the year Let's get into uh, week four a little bit. Like we've acknowledged a couple of times, uh, Coastal Carolina is currently in the middle of playing Georgia State. The game is at half. Coastal's up 27 to 17. Um, Grayson McCall's sharp once again through a half of football, 13 of 18, 205 and two touchdowns. But let's get into the further, uh, further down these games this weekend. Let's talk about App State welcoming in James Madison. Um, it's James Madison's, um, Sunbelt debut uh, within conference play. I think this will be a really good barometer as to what type of team James Madison is. Um, yeah. They've, they've uh, you know, beaten the tar out of uh, Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State. Um, but App is a different different animal from those teams. Uh, I know that we, we both talked about their sort of inability to put games away, but they are two and one. They, their only loss was by two points against North Carolina, who we've seen now can put up points in bunches. App is a seven-point favorite at home. Do you see James Madison being able to pull off an upset in this one? I wouldn't count on it. I mean, obviously anything is possible, um, but this is the first, as you mentioned, first real team James Madison has played this year. Um Obviously, they beat the snot out of Norfolk and Middle Tennessee, as you just mentioned. Uh, but App State's already played some real teams. You know, they beat AM, as we've talked about. Uh, they beat Troy. Troy, a very, very good Sun Belt team. I'd say they're probably 
on par, if not better, than JMU. Um, so I think that even though they have an extra week of preparation, James Madison had an early bye week uh, this past weekend. Um, I think they're just not going to be able to hang with App State. Um, the team, we've seen them drop 63 and 44 points, uh, but I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the offense of Chase Bryce and uh, Christian Horn, Cameron Peoples. I don't know if they're going to be able to hang around with those guys. Yeah, I think App ultimately wins this game, but I actually do think it is going to be closer than the the seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the final score of this one was like 24 to 20 App. Um, I will say the one thing in James Madison's favor is that they had a week off to, yeah. to just study film and watch this. Um, so at least they've watched a clip of Troy running out of the back of their own end zone, and now they know what not to do if you have a lead. Um, but yeah, I think this one's going to be close. But like I said, I think App does ultimately come out a winner. Um, that was a 3.30 Eastern kick. All of these games for the Sun Belt this week are are fairly late, which is surprising. But uh, let's get into the next game. Ball State is traveling to Statesboro, Georgia to take on Georgia Southern. Ball State 1-2 and two this year. Their lone win uh, came last week over FCS Murray State. Um, they've had a rough start to the season. They're allowing a ton of points, as is Georgia Southern. I'm going to take the Eagles in this one, obviously, just because, I mean, they had a rough go of it, but Ball State is not UAB. They're not going to they're not going to have to worry about a huge offensive line again in this one. Um, and ball state thus far through three games is only averaging 23 points per game. So if you can't put up points on Georgia Southern's defense, Georgia Southern is just going to have, and, and, and as, as off as Van Treese was last game, they're just going to have a bunch of cracks at it, um, throwing the football. So I think the Eagles come away with a win nine and a half points uh, for Georgia Southern as a favorite is a little rich for my blood, considering how their defense is played. Mm-hmm. Um, but the over under again, this is what I was talking about with overs, Georgia state, Georgia Southern, the over under for this game, 67 and a half. Um, 30. Wow. That's 33 yeah. a piece. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, Georgia that, Southern wins. This that's game. rich. I'm cool with the nine and a half point spread. I think, uh, if Van Trees can limit those interceptions, uh, you know, obviously last week wasn't too hot for him in that department, but if he can turn those interceptions into yardage, and uh, I think they've got a chance to win this by two scores. Um, the the level of competition Ball State's had up to this point, not terribly impressive. They did play Tennessee, but they got rolled, lost by seven touchdowns. Um, yep. So I don't anticipate a Tennessee-like 59-10. to 10 finish here but i could see southern winning by two heck even three touchdowns here and i i say that primarily just because i do th- i do believe in kyle van trees i do believe in that passing offense um as much as as much distaste as i have for that style of football they're playing it fairly well um and so i i feel comfortable taking nine and a half yeah um ball state's also surrendering 387 yards a game as I know Georgia Southern's defense is worse than theirs statistically. Um, but 
at the, at the very least, it's not like Ball State has some sort of lockdown defense that the Eagles have to kind of account for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think Georgia Southern comes away with the win in that one too. Um, my my only worry with the spread is that Georgia Southern late, if they go up by two scores, gets complacent, and like Ball State scores a garbage time touchdown, and then you're you're out whatever you put on the game because they only won by eight or sure. seven or something. Um, so let's get into this next one. Arkansas State Old Dominion feels like the the incredibly movable object against the stoppable force because Old Dominion can't move the ball on offense. Arkansas State play, doesn't play any defense. So I I don't know what to expect. Old Dominion's a five point favorite. That seems a little rich to me considering how Arkansas State played against Memphis last week. And like I said, the fact that Old Dominion threw three games is only averaging 18 points per game. Um, I actually think the Red Wolves win this one. What do you think? I'm with you on that. Uh, you mentioned unstoppable force. Or no. I, I, very, I it, very stoppable force. Very stoppable. Very movable object. Very movable object. Um, and I think, in at least in football, I think the very stoppable force wins that. Or I'm sorry, the very movable object wins that there. Um and I may just be wrong about that, but I, in a game where you have an all-offense versus all-defense team, I tend to favor the all-defense team. Um, that just may be fetishizing what I like about the sport, um, but I, I just don't trust Old Dominion. As bad as Arkansas State is defensively, I don't know if Old Dominion is good enough or capable of capitalizing on that. Yeah, I think the real the real test is Zeke. Think about this: Our, uh, Old Dominion has not scored more than twenty one points in a game this season. Mm-hmm. When was the last yeah. time Arkansas State didn't score twenty one points? That's a good question because uh, actually it was a week ago when they played Ohio State. But okay. again, that's a different level of competition. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Old Dominion has yet to score more than three touchdowns in any of the games they've played this year. Um, if you can't score art and your defense, I mean, Old Dominion's defense is really bad too. Like, mm-hmm. they give up 459 yards a game, and they the the teams that they've played this season are like Virginia Tech, East Carolina, and Virginia. They didn't play Ohio State, you know, in week two or whatever. So, yeah. if you can't stop anybody and you can't score, that's going to be a really tough. <laughs> that's a tall task, even though you're playing at home. So give me Arkansas State plus five um, in this one. Let's get into the next game. Uh, Southern Miss has to travel to, uh, what is it, New Orleans to face 3-0 Tulane. Uh, Georgia Southern's ex-head coach Willie Fritz got off has gotten off to a hot start there. They beat Kansas State last week in an upset in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, Tulane is a 12.5 point favorite. They look like they're rolling on both sides of the ball. Uh, I mean, through three games, Tulane's only surrendering 220 yards per game. Um, Yeah, I think the green wave just keeps rolling in this one, especially the fact that we talked about this Southern Miss can't settle on a quarterback. Uh, I hear what you're saying, um, but mind you, those wins come over UMass, worst team in the country, Alcorn State, uh, HBCU, I believe, and Kansas State, although I'll admit Kansas State's a bit more impressive than the other two. Um, 
I, I don't know if I think Tulane rolls them in this. I think uh, Southern Miss is going to hang around. Uh, from what I'm looking at, it looks like Tulane is far worse in the rush game, rush defense than they are the pass defense, which is perfect for Southern Miss because, as you mentioned, they do not have anyone who seems to know how to throw a football. They might as well just go out on a quad and pick a guy playing pickup, um, and well, they'll have equal on, as much on. success. Hold on, Z. For context, oh. when you say that, though, Tulane is currently allowing 72 yards passing a game, so it's not hard to be worse in the run game. <laughs> 70. They're they're surrendering under 100 yards passing per game. Which no, is- I I understand, and uh, as I'm sure we're looking both looking at the same numbers, it's 72 to 148 pass to rush yards allowed per game. Right. I don't think either of those numbers are entirely accurate. Um, granted, I've watched probably less than five snaps of Tulane football all season. Um, I'll concede that right here, but I don't know how accurate those numbers are uh, when you look at the teams they've played. Are those really reflective of how Tulane will play against competition like Southern Miss against real competition, real football teams? Um, I think not. So you've got to look at those numbers less as an exact number and more as an indicator of how they perform. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just think Tulane is just going to be too much for Southern Miss. I, I think the fact that, like I said, Southern Miss can't settle on a quarterback or doesn't have one really. Um, yeah. I just think that's going to, and they're, and they're playing in new Orleans. I just think that's going to be too much for Southern Miss to have to keep pace with Tulane. Um, in the next one, Texas state should pick up their second win of the season. Keyword is should. Uh, mm-hmm. They play FCS Houston Baptist. I think they're FCS. They might even be D2 now that I think about it. Um, no line in this game. Texas State's playing at home. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what can you really say about this one? If if Texas State doesn't win, I mean, Spavadol's got to be out on by Sunday. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you. I think that... Uh especially after last week's performance. They weren't expected to win. No one expected them to win last week's game against Baylor. But uh, after putting up only seven, if you don't dominate Houston Baptist, um, I, I I don't know what you're really doing here at Texas State. Uh, you're just kind of letting um, Spavadol kill the season. Not that a new coach will turn it around, but you can start a new regime now. Um so I, I don't see not much to say. I'm with you there. They go two and two or they fire their head coach. Yeah. So getting into the next game, 7 p.m. Eastern time kick. Troy welcomes Marshall uh, to Alabama. Uh, both teams coming off, uh, you know, disappointing losses for different reasons uh, mm-hmm. to different levels of competition. Marshall is a three point favorite on the road. Um I'm gonna take Marshall here. Uh, you know, before the season, we talked about why, how we thought Troy's defense was kind of gonna be their bread and butter, and they were gonna struggle to move the ball on offense. Their defense has been really bad mm-hmm. through three games. They're allowing 415 yards per game, and I mean, you look at the competition they played. It was it was Ole Miss in Week One. Okay, you can kind of give a pass to that, but they were sort of in that game. They played Alabama A&M in week two and only won by three scores, which, you know, only three scores is relative. And then they have the heartbreaking loss to App last week. 
I just think Marshall Marshall gave up a lot through the air last week against Bowling mm-hmm. Green in that loss, but I just feel like Troy Troy is just kind of a mess right now. Like they can't really it doesn't feel like they can close anybody out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um I think the fact that they hang around with app uh gives me hope, especially after Marshall had a similar result, you know, kind of late loss um against a much worse team. So if you're just gonna compare last week's performances uh based purely on box score, you lean Troy, but I there's something about me that wants to give it to Marshall here. Um I'm really loving what Kalen Laybourne's doing and uh I think he'll have another good game. We might see Rasheen Ali, you know, he's back at practice, so this'll be a second week of practice if I'm correct. So he might come back and give them a hard time. Uh, I'm cool taking Marshall. I do like the line here at minus three, so it's pretty much a pick them. Uh, and that's what I think it deserves to be. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll take Marshall in this one, especially, I mean, if Ali plays, like, Marshall's a smash in my mind in mm-hmm. this game. Um, yeah, so getting into the next game, this is an interesting one. Louisiana Tech is traveling uh, to Alabama. Uh, to take on the Jaguars of South Alabama. Uh, South Alabama is a 13-point favorite against Louisiana Tech. Um, like I said, South Alabama's been like the one lone Sunbelt West team that has kept played consistently through the whole season. I mean, they've they, they beat Nichols in week one. Okay, fine. But then they, they beat Central Michigan by two touchdowns coming off of a Central Michigan playing neck and neck with Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And then they, they lose by one uh, on a last second field goal to UCLA. So, yeah, I think I think South Alabama is, is going to win the West, man. I mean, they, they seem for real. Um, they play, uh, you know, solid defense. They're allowing under 100 yards rushing per game, uh, which is impressive. Um, I just don't think Louisiana Tech has the has the players to stick with the Jaguars. What do you think? No, I'm with you on that one. I think, uh, I don't know if I agree right now that USA is going to win the Sunbelt West. Um, although they probably have a good shot as anyone, uh, it's between them and Louisiana. So I don't know if I'm going to lock that in like you are now, but, uh, I've, I, I agree with you. I think USA is just a better team top to bottom. I think Carter Bradley is going to, have another very strong game against Louisiana Tech. Um, not much to say. I think they win by 10, 12, 13. Yeah, well, I, I mean, what you just said about the the Cajuns, I mean, we'll find out next, you know, October 1st, whether mm-hmm. whether Louisiana is just kind of resting on their laurels too much or they just really can't hang with some of these teams because South Alabama is coming and, and Louisiana is going to have to account for it. Um, like I said, they, I don't know. South Alabama has been the most consistent as he, or uh, Sunbelt West team so far. And, and consistency in the West is pretty much all you can ask for because there's a lot of those teams have zero consistency. Yeah. Um, so I, I like them in that game, getting into the last game of the night. Okay. Louisiana travels to Monroe to take on the Warhawks. I don't. I don't want to say this, but I'm gonna say it. Louisiana better look out. That's all. Uh, I'm say. You, do you say that because of complacency, or do you think they're not as good as Monroe? 
No, no, no. I, I think talent-wise, they're probably better than Monroe. I just, it's very clear that Napier's not the coach there anymore. It's very clear that they've lost a lot of key players to either uh, transfers, graduations. They're kind of starting from scratch. M- Monroe, it, un- except the times where Monroe is absolutely overmatched against Louisiana, any time that it is, it seems like, you know, Louisiana's kind of eh, and they're kind of just, you know, going about their business. It seems like Monroe gives them a game. Now, I could be totally wrong on this, but the way that Louisiana played last week doesn't give me any current, you know, it, it doesn't make me feel good about what they're going to produce this year. Mm-hmm. So I I could see them kind of just continuing to sleepwalk through this season, man. I mean, they're defending Sunbelt champs, even though. The guys that are playing now didn't really contribute all that much to those teams. They're like I said, their head coach is gone. They're starting over. I just say watch out because this is a rivalry game. You know anything can happen. It's in Monroe. It's at night. I just I, I, like I said, it, it's more me just saying I'm. I don't like what I've seen out of okay agents this year. Yeah, give me one more week. Because um, mind you, Louisiana is two and one. Uh, only lost one game so far, albeit their win's not wholly impressive. I'm just really glad we're getting conference games, man, because if you look over at Monroe's schedule, I mean, they got walloped by Texas and Alabama, and then they beat Nichols. What am I supposed to gain from those sorts of games, you know? What are we supposed to gain about Louisiana Monroe when they're playing Alabama, when they're playing Texas, or when they're well, playing teams I mean, like Nichols? That, that's what I'm saying is, like, what what do we actually know about how Monroe is this year? Nothing, man. That's what, right. I'm just so glad we're playing conference games. Right, and that that's the reason that I'm like, Louisiana better watch out, because Louisiana is losing to teams that they are on the same level with that they should be better than. UL Monroe, like we said, is losing to the Texases and Alabamas of the world. So, yeah, they need it. Louisiana needs to watch out because Monroe might be, you know, out for blood and and can smell it in the water with the way that the Cajuns played last week. So we'll, we'll just have to see how that all pay, plays out. Um, so, Zeke, as we sort of wrap up the uh, the week four preview here, can can you give me one game that you are very interested in? And uh, tell the folks where they can find you on social media. Uh, I think my best game of the week is going to be Marshall Troy. As I said, I'm a, I'm just very, very grateful that we're finally playing uh, conference games. And I think that'll probably be the closest game uh, of the week. Uh, I'm on Twitter where you'll uh, pretty soon after uh, the Georgia State game ends, you'll be able to see uh, my recap as they probably going to lose to Coastal tonight. That's uh, on Twitter, at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. Brian, what games are you looking at, and where are you on Twitter? Yeah, I think the one game that interests me a lot is James Madison and App. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly because I want to see if James Madison's for real or not. Um, they've played two teams to start the season that are meh at best. Um, I mean, I know we gave them a lot of credit for the way that they played week one against Middle Tennessee, but this is a real step up in competition from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Appalachian State has been the class of the East the last couple of years. So, I mean, are one of the two best teams in the East the last couple of years. But 
James Madison, this is a real big step up in competition. They've dominated the two games they've played. They dominated FCS competition the last few years. Yeah, I want to see. I, this is the most interesting game of the weekend for me. And like I said, I mean, I mean Georgia Southern's even playing, and I'm like, mm, I'm kind of more interested in James Madison and App. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Um, next week we will be back with another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Mm-hmm.